Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome. What's up, everybody? Hey, my name is Ross. Parker and Jess, thank you so much uh, for what you said earlier. Uh, your words were amazing, and I'm blessed to know you as friends. Um, hey, is anybody, is anybody here grateful for our pastors tonight? We have the best pastors in the world. Can we just go ahead and give God a shout of praise and be thankful for them for a second? Man. Well, welcome in. I want to honor one other group of people in the room tonight, too, before we go ahead and get started. And that's the people who are new, who haven't come here before. You know, it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to come into a new space, to engage with a bunch of people who you might not be familiar with, to engage with a bunch of ideas that you might be uncomfortable with. And I just want to applaud you. That takes honor, that takes courage, and it's no small thing. You know, you'll find out real quick that we're all about Jesus here at this church. You probably already have. We were singing about him. It's why the first couple rows get a little crazy, right? But you'll also find out real quick that you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here with us. We believe that no matter where you are, we have way more in common than we do that separates us. So wherever you are, wherever you're coming from tonight, we want to welcome you in. Well, we've been going over a series on relationships. The series has been entitled, Can We Just Talk? Has anyone been blessed by this series so far? Has anyone gotten something from God from it? Come on. Well, I get the privilege of continuing that conversation tonight, and I am going to be talking about marriage. Um, really excited for this. Uh, I'm, no, I'm not married, if you were wondering. Um, but I've got some friends that are married. I've been reading some books. Um, so I feel like I've got a lot of really good things to share, okay? Um, no, we're going to be talking about singleness tonight, okay? <laughs> All the married people in the room are like, oh, I, I was ready for that. Oh, uh, that's next week, right? All right, sweet. Um, so we're going to be talking about singleness. And you might ask, Ross, why is it that we're talking about singleness in a series on relationships? And the reason for that is because we believe that singleness does not mean aloneness in this church, okay? We're going to be going over Genesis tonight, and we're going to be talking about the story of creation, how God created the first man and the first woman. And in that story, God goes and he says, let us make man in our image. And so male and female, he created them. The reason it says, God said, let, ma- let us make man in our image is because there was perfect relationship already before God ever created any humans within himself. And so out of that, we were created. So at our core, we believe that we're also relational beings. So no matter what season you're in, no matter where you are in life, we believe that to be a thriving, healthy individual, God has called you to be a part of a thriving, healthy community. All right? The other reason that we're talking about singleness tonight is because I believe that in society today, we have a relationship problem. You know, the American Psychological Association says somewhere between 40 and 50% of marriages today end in divorce. And for some of you, that's all too real. You might have been divorced. You might have had family, friends, or your own parents that were. And I want to be sensitive to that tonight. And it says that not only does uh, 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce, but uh, marriages after that, the rate is even higher. So we got a problem. We're not learning from uh, our mistakes. And the reason that 
I think singleness ties into this, is that relationship problems are really singleness problems. What do I mean by that? Healthy relationships are just made up of healthy individuals. So we believe that who we are in our singleness at our core is the foundation. So that's what we want to talk to tonight. You know, we're going to be talking tonight uh, from the story of Adam and some things in his life that God set up before the person, before he ever introduced anybody into Adam's life. And yet, just because we're talking about a dude doesn't mean that there isn't something in this for everybody. It doesn't mean that there aren't principles here, no matter what season you're in. You know, you might be in a relationship. I believe that God's still calling you to work on your own health and to work on yourself tonight. You might be single and you might not want to be single, right? You might be single and you might be really, really confident and secure and stoked about just doing you in this season, and that's great. You might have been in a relationship before, and you might, whether by choice or not, not be in one anymore. But I believe that God has something for us no matter what season we are in. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, you're exactly where you need to be. All right, turn to your other neighbor a little bit louder and say, and so am I. All right. The title of tonight's message is I'm single and I know it. It's good. I'm single and I know it. And the reason that we have entitled tonight's message I'm single and I know it is because the culture makes it painfully aware that we're still single sometimes. Right? You ever have a friend that starts dating somebody and then all of a sudden all they're talking about is their girlfriend? Or all they're talking about is how much fun it's going to be to go on double dates once you also get in a relationship. <laughs> I'm in somebody's house right now because a couple of people um, I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> uh, or maybe you've had this experience where you go to Thanksgiving or you go to Christmas and Aunt Pam walks up to you and she goes, so you got your eye on anybody, right? You still, still single? And that's the question, still single? Because our whole world is only leading us towards this expectation of what's next. But yet I want us to suggest tonight that maybe we can just plant ourselves in the season that we're in and learn right here, learn right where we're at. So we're going to be going over a passage tonight. That's Genesis 2, 15 through 22. Genesis 2, 15 through 22. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you one. They're in the back they're free. That's yours. Take it. Uh, also, I found out recently about this incredible technology called a smartphone that you can use to download the Bible and actually read an electronic version of it. Groundbreaking stuff. Uh, so, yes. If, if uh, you are blessed enough to have one of those devices, you can also turn on your Bible and read it. So, Genesis 2, 15 through 22. Here we go. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. God commanded the man, You can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from that tree, you're dead. God said it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. So God formed from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals. 
but he didn't find a suitable companion. God put the man into a deep sleep. And as he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. Then God used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. The man said, finally, this bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, name her woman, for she was made from man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. God, we just come before you tonight. We pray that you would speak to us. God, we pray, Spirit, that you would convict. Thank you that your word is living and active. No matter where we are in life, no matter what passage that we turn to, God, there's something in it for us. So we ask right now that you would help us to lean into you, and we pray that you would speak through me, Jesus, to say what you want to say. In your name, amen. Amen. So I grew up here in Colorado, and one of my favorite uh, memories growing up was a lot of the road trips uh, that we would take. One of the places that we would drive over was this pass over Estes Park called Trail Ridge. It's in the National Park. It's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, one of the things that I would do in car trips to pass the time growing up was I had this little Game Boy Advance that I would pull out and play some games on it. I was a um, Pokemon trainer, and it was my job to catch them all. And so I was playing away on my games just trying to let the time pass as I was waiting for the car ride to be done. And my mom had this rule that infuriated me at the time. She would say, all right, all books, all electronics, everything down as we're going over the pass. When we enter the park, you got to stop. We're just going to look out the window, and we're going to enjoy this time. And it frustrated me so much in the moment, but now looking back, I have so many amazing memories from those seasons. So many amazing memories of going over the top of the pass. I remember on 4th of July one time, we had a snowball fight with our family. I remember driving over during a sunset and watching God just light up every single mountain peak with a thousand different hues of orange. Beautiful. And I never would have had that opportunity if my mom hadn't have asked me to look up from what I was doing, to enjoy the season, the time that I was in. Even though inevitably on those car rides, I always ask the question, are we there yet? And I want to speak to somebody in the room tonight who's asking that same question for the season that they're in. Am I there yet? God, is my season done? I've waited long enough. And it's easy. Our culture encourages this anticipation of what's next, right? You get into high school and somebody asks, all right, where are you going to college? You get into college and they go, all right, what's your first job going to be? You go to college, and they're like, all right, what's your first, uh, you get your first job, and somebody goes, all right, are you going to get married? And then you get married, and they're like, all right, you going to have kids? And it just keeps going, and it keeps perpetuating. And it's easy to think the grass is greener up ahead. The grass is greener on the other side. But I want to encourage you and tell you tonight, the grass is not greener over there. The grass is simply greener where you water the grass, Okay. <laughs> So wherever we are, I think we have an opportunity to water and to flourish in the season that we're in. So first things first, in Genesis 2.15, it says, God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. God made Adam to be a gardener. 
I love the intentionality in this passage. It says he took him, he planted him there, he put him there for a purpose, for a reason. He said, I want you to work it. I want you to work. I want you to till the soil. You know, before Adam was ever created, it said that there was nobody to work or till the ground. So God actually created something for Adam to do before Adam was ever even created. There was so much intentionality in where he put him. In Acts 17, 26 through 28, it says, From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. I want to ask you right now, are you trying to position and angle yourself so that you might be found favorable and good-looking in other people's sight? Or are you simply trying to find the position and the calling that God has put upon you and chase after him first and foremost? You know, you will never regret putting God first in your life. You will absolutely never regret prioritizing God above everything else. Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness above all other things. And everything else will be added to you as well. I love the promise there. He's not saying, you know, everything else will just figure itself out. He's saying, I'll take care of you in that. I know what you need. And if you simply seek after me, if you run after me, everything else is going to fall into line. I want to encourage you, if you're a woman, there's nothing more attractive to a man than a woman who is running hard after God. There's nothing more attractive to a God-fearing woman than someone who is pursuing God with all their heart. And you might be here tonight, and you might be saying, okay, that's great, but what does it look like to figure out my purpose? What does it look like to know what God has called me to, the purpose that he's put me here for? And I think there are some clues from Adam's life that we can look at. You know, God takes Adam, he puts him in the garden, And I can just imagine the conversation between God and Adam. I can just imagine uh, Adam going, God, this is amazing. You've put me here. There's all these trees. This is beautiful. I I can't even believe all the foliage and the flowers and everything that's here. And mangoes, like, they're amazing. We should plant some more mango trees right off the bat because mangoes are, are like, the best. And yet, God, there's, there's kind of, like, a lot of work to do here. And someone's got to water all this, and someone's got to plant, and someone's got to harvest, and someone's got to till the ground. And God's like, yeah, that's why I put you here, bro. This is your purpose. This is what I've designed you for. And I think in our lives, God has also given us problems that we're called to be the solution to. The thing that annoys you could be your anointing. The thing that frustrates you could be your future. The problem in your life could be your purpose. But I think this is why we have so many people that end up kind of being critical nowadays. Because they're not pressing into their purpose. They're not pressing into the problems that are right in front of them that it seems like nobody else sees. And instead criticizing. And when we get into that place, it's really easy to lose sight of the purpose and the calling that God has given to us. You, know, you, can, you can even think practically about all the reasons why God would have wanted Adam to be a gardener. He would have wanted to build into him discipline and character 
and grind and a work ethic right off the bat. All things that would serve him well later in life. And you know, in my life, this hits home because I had that critical spirit. You know, when I first started coming to Pinewood, I'd just moved to Boulder. I was very critical of the church. I was angry at the church. I ended up going to a couple different church services and actually walking up halfway through the message. So if any of you do, I won't be offended tonight, but uh, walking out halfway through the service because I thought that what the guy was saying was, was uh, just complete nonsense and being super, super critical, thought that he was just totally being a hypocrite. Ended up coming to Pinewood one time and there were only about 11 people there, so I couldn't exactly leave halfway through without everybody noticing. And ended up meeting with Parker a couple weeks later you know, I didn't want to meet at first. I told him, you know what, I'm good. This isn't the church for me because I was critical even of this place. And what ended up happening is he said, you know what, that's all right. You don't have to come back to church. I just want to get to know you. I just want relationship with you. Modeled really what Jesus wants from us really well. And through that process and that relationship, God began to reveal my own critical heart. He began to reveal the cynicism that was in me and that my problems with the church weren't really with the church, but they were with me instead. And you know, now, two years later, as I've begun to heal from that, I've realized that God is calling me to build and to be a part of seeking his kingdom here in Boulder, Colorado and building his church. And in your life, the problem that God has put in front of you might just be your purpose as well. You know, I think one of the things that in our singleness, for those of you who are single in the room, is really, really good to press into in this time is the fact that, you know, we have more time on our hands now than any other season in our lives. Can anyone who is married or has kids attest to the fact that you've got a little less, less time now? Is that true? And, and, you know, maybe you are struggling and you're not sure what it is that God's called you to or what your purpose is. And that's fine. I don't think that that's something that God reveals overnight. I think it's a process. But can I encourage you? Build into God's kingdom now. Build his church now. Go to Growth Track. You know, it's happening right now in the back. You can jump right in there and nobody will mind one bit. Come next week too. You don't have to go back to back. And you will get to be a part of building God's church here in Boulder, Colorado. So... We get there and Adam goes, all right, I'm good. I'm going to work the ground. I got it, God. This is great. You gave me a purpose. Next, in Genesis 2, 16 through 17, God says, it says this, God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from that tree, you're dead. It's hard, strong words from God. God wanted Adam to learn the limitations that God was placing over his life. He wanted him to learn that early on. You know, God called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for a reason. Because he never wanted Adam to carry the burden of deciding for himself what's right and wrong. He said, you're simply the creation. If you trust me and follow my words, it's going to go well with you. You're going to be all right. If you simply trust and believe that I know what's better for you than you do, you're going to be good. And it's really, really easy, I think, especially in our singleness, to say, you know what, 
God, I don't, I don't really want to do that. You know, I want to do what feels good right now. I think I know what's best for me in this season. Some, some of us, and I've had this uh, thought before, might say, you know what, I am just going to enjoy and kind of do me for this season, and then I'll flip the switch later, and I'll say, once I get married, I'll start following God. Once I get married, I'll, you know, kick, kind of kick this habit. But can I just encourage you, you can't flip a switch. The things that you're sowing into your life now, the small decisions that you're making in every single moment, are creating habits. They're creating patterns. And those things are going to determine the course and the direction of your life later down the road. And habits eat good intentions for lunch. Habits eat good intentions for lunch. Don't build habits that will now that will harm you later. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Can I just ask you, are the habits and the decisions that you're making right now in your life, are they helpful? Or are they harming you? And you know, if you're, if you're here looking for somebody, if you're trying to find a significant other, that's awesome. Can I give you a piece of advice in that season? All right. The one married man in the room said, yep. So <laughs> well, we're going to talk later, Matt. <laughs> look, for, look for patterns. Don't look for potential. Look for patterns. Do not look for potential. Because patterns are predictable. Potential is not. You know, you can look at somebody's life and you can say, oh, he's got potential. But he's got credit card debt. And if you say, I do, you might just be broke till death do us part, right? <laughs> you can look at someone's life and say, oh, he's got potential, but he's got a porn addiction. And I'm just being real with you guys. None of us are supposed to be perfect. That's not the standard. We'll never reach that. But the patterns that we're sowing into our life now will be a much better predictor than any sort of potential that's inside of us. And, you know, I have, to, I have to just be honest. One of the reasons why I get really, really excited for marriage is sex, right? Okay, come on. You guys came to church at 6 p.m. on a Sunday night. Let's not get all religious now, okay? Can we just be honest here, okay? Look, I get really excited for it. But sometimes I have to check my heart in that and simply ask myself, am I just excited for the next season because I'm not content with the limits God has placed upon my life now. God gave me something in this that's spoken to me over and over. He said, if you question and break the boundaries that God has for you in singleness, you'll question and break the ones God has for you in marriage. If you question and break the boundaries that God has for you in singleness, you'll question and break the ones that God has for you in marriage. And really the boundaries that God has given us that he's put into our life, they're not meant to constrict us. They're actually meant to get us where we're called to go. Parker gave me the illustration of a train with its tracks. And the limits that God has put upon our life are much like the tracks. You can say, oh, but they're so constricting. They're only going to take me one way. But a train without tracks is stuck. And without following and submitting to the things that God has called us to in our lives, to choose to obey his word, we'll be stuck as well. God's not trying to limit us. 
He's simply trying to show us how to get where we all want to go. And without choosing to obey and listen to him, we'll never get to that place. You'll never get where you want to go without following the beautiful limits God has set for you. So next, God says, all right, I'll eat the mangoes, but I'm not going to eat from that apple tree. That's, that's off limits. I got it, God. I'm good. Okay. Genesis 2, 18 through 20. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper, a companion. And then God made Eve right away. End of story. We're good. Right? No, that's not, that's not what happened, okay? So God formed from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals, and Pumbaa and Simba and Timon, but he didn't find a suitable companion. Why, why did God do this? You know, it wasn't like God didn't know that Eve was going to be the perfect fit. And yet he intentionally prolonged Adam's season of singleness for a reason. You know, Adam was going around naming all these animals and so, so frustrated at some points probably because he's going around and seeing all these pairs of animals. He's seeing every single animal that has its own companion and yet he's all by himself. And he's saying, God, what about me? I want to speak to someone in the room who has been thinking, God, what about me? Have you forgotten me? Do you not know the desires that are on my heart? And the crazy thing is, not only did God prolong this season, but a lot of scholars think this lasted somewhere between 10 and 100 years. So God really took his time with this. And I think one of the reasons why is that there's, there's no good climax in a story without a buildup. There's no good ending to a story without the tension that gets you there. And it's the same in Adam's life. God wanted Adam to realize the gift that was given to him, a relationship. And God wants us to realize the gift of relationships that we have as well. And I believe one other reason that, that God chose to do this in Adam's life was so that Adam could learn about himself through this time. So that he could be confident and secure in who he was on his own. So that he wouldn't be looking for significance through somebody else. Because when you're confident in yourself, you can have a high standard. But when you're insecure and you're looking for somebody else to fulfill you, you'll rush into a relationship that you might not be supposed to, or that you're not supposed to be in. When you learn your own value, you'll stop giving other people discounts. When you learn your own value, you'll stop giving other people discounts, all right? But to know your value, you got to know who you are. And how do we know who we are? I think so many of us are struggling in relationships, not because of the other person. It truly isn't you, it's me, right? Because we're uncomfortable with ourselves. We're uncomfortable and we don't know who God has created us to be. And the only way that we've ever related to ourselves is through criticizing ourselves. So we haven't learned and taken the time to love ourselves, to know who, what God says about us. So we get into a relationship with somebody else and we do the same thing to them because it's the only way that we've ever learned to interact with ourselves, right? So you say, okay, 
I have to know myself first. I have to learn who God has created me to be first. And out of that flows healthy relationship with other people. All right, how do I get there, Ross? Tim Keller says this, nothing but prayer will ever reveal you to yourself because only before God can you see and become your true self. I love that quote. You know, you can't understand the created, which is us, until you understand the creator. I think so many of us are walking around trying to fit in with everybody else, trying to follow the crowd and do what they do. How is, how is your spouse or how is anybody going to pick you out and recognize you if you're just simply going along with what the crowd's doing? You're unique. You're one of a kind. You're made in God's image, wonderfully and beautifully crafted by him. You're a one-of-one, one, extremely limited edition. There's no, there's no reason to go with the crowd. The crowd doesn't know what they're doing either. And as we learn who we are, as we learn who God has made us to be, we'll find the healing and the wholeness that God wants for us as well. Because God can't heal who you pretend to be. And he can't use who you pretend to be either. He can only heal and he can only use who you are. And as we come to a close, you know, I want to recognize that not all of us are called to marriage. You know, God says, and Jesus in the New Testament talks about this. Paul says he thinks it's better for people to remain unmarried so that they can just be straight connected with God and not have to worry about anything else. Jesus says that in heaven there will be no marriage, but all our ecstasies and intimacies will be filled by God. And in Matthew 19, 11 through 12, it says, not everyone is meant to remain single, only those whom God gives grace to be unmarried. For some are born to celibacy, others have been made eunuchs by others, and there are some who have chosen to live in celibacy for the sacred purpose of heaven's kingdom realm. Let those who can accept this truth for themselves. I want to encourage you. Society says it's not okay to be single. And God says it's amazing. I mean, think about it. You get to decorate your house however you want to. Everything that you own is yours. The money in your bank account is just yours. When you go to a restaurant and order some food, there's not anybody that's going to be, like, looking over at your plate going, that looks good, right? <laughs> Being singleness is a lot of fun, okay? And, you know, as I was reflecting on, on my time in singleness, I was reminded of a season in my life where I was not content that I was single. And I was looking to this girl that I was interested in, and I really wanted to impress her. And so I was doing everything in my power to get her to like me. So I was waking up early, early. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was working out. I was cleaning my room. I was doing all the right things. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, through that, I realized that I'd, I'd just been climbing a ladder feeling like she was at the top and I had to do all these things to get to her, to impress her, to prove myself to her. And so when I realized that it wasn't gonna work out between us, I hit a little bit of a wall and all my motivation to keep improving, to keep doing the things that I was doing stopped because I wasn't doing them for God, I was just doing them to get to the top of this ladder, to get to this girl. And even if I would have gotten to the girl, you know, it wouldn't have 
it wouldn't have been healthy because that same motivation that got me into the relationship would have been the same motivation that would have kept carrying me through. I would have kept having to prove myself over and over. And you know, like all the messages at Pinewood, this message really isn't about singleness. Because all the things that a spouse can never provide for us, security and acceptance and identity, God has said that he already will provide and he's the only one who can truly provide those things. And he's come down to this earth. You know, he was way out of our league. We could never get to him. We could never climb high enough. We could never do enough stuff to get to him. We could never read our Bible enough. We could never pray enough. We could never serve or love enough. And so instead, God said, I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to take care of all the stuff that's messed up in your life. I'm going to take care of all the debt, all the bad credit, everything in you, because I just want to be with you. And he's freely offered that security and identity and acceptance to us. We don't have to do anything but just receive it. And not only that, but he's the best partner ever. He says, you never have to do a relationship check with me. You never have to know if your future is secure. He says, I will be with you forever to the very end of the age. And he says that I am for you, I am with you, and I believe in you. The same sentiment that God said towards Jesus when he was baptized, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, he has towards each of us. He's well pleased with each of you who have accepted him. And so it's in that security and that identity and that acceptance that no matter what season we're in, we get to walk out our lives. God, I just come, come before you tonight and I thank you that you have brought us all to different seasons, that you have determined the times and the places in which we live. And some of us might be discontent in those. Some of those seasons might not be ones that we chose for ourselves. And yet in that, Father, I thank you that that doesn't keep us from you. I thank you that no matter where we are, God, we have an opportunity to look up, to look out the window, to pull the car over, to enjoy not just anticipating the next thing, but where you've called us to right now. Father, I pray that for those in the room tonight who don't know that security and identity, God, that you give, that don't know the, the freedom that you provide through the cross, God, that they would just choose to accept that tonight. If that's you in the room, you don't have to pray a fancy prayer. You don't have to do anything. You can simply say, God, I need you. I recognize that I've been trying to do this thing on my own and it's not working out. Come into my life. Help me. Save me. I accept the grace that you offer. I accept the identity that you provide for me. God, we worship you. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.